Yeah, yeah, everybody, this is our first drop on the He's Just blog. Now we're having the He Just podcast. We're super excited about today. We have a special show, our very first show. So it comes without saying the magnitude of love that we are receiving, the magnitude of questions that people may have about our project. And I want to be the first one to say that creating this project was something that came out of a situation that occurred that prompted me to take action. And in that vein, I started to think about what are ways that I can help others find that voice. There are many of us who have a voice and don't want to use it. There are many of us who think that thinking things through is the best step and then they take an initiative, either way works. So the he's just a social worker was created because there are too many things that are happening in this world, in this nation around social and emotional intelligence, social and emotional learning, mental health and well-being. It's not really just about social work, it's about the other work that we do. Many of us are put into these boxes because we're labeled either A, we enter this country with a profession and we stick to it, but there's a passion, there's an art that we have not untapped. And these are the things that prompted me to say, I want to have a platform that we can have a voice. And as a Latino male, today's show is extremely special for me. I have a special guest with us today that has served as a friend, a brother, a mentor. He is a person who I value and I look up to and has done incredible work in the realm of mental health. I wanna also say that aside from the work that our special guest has created, he also has gotten his hands dirty many ways because in this work we never have the opportunity to go unscathed we go into these scenarios without knowing i'm going to start here and potentially end there because of that when i prompted him with this information about the initiative he was not only excited but continued to share his wisdom and you're going to hear some of that wisdom and I know that you all will be excited about the knowledge that he's going to drop on us today, because I sure am. I love him dearly because, again, he's been a person who has been a positive voice for me and the people that he comes to in touch with and people that he congregates with respect him for that. I like to start by saying that today's guest is Jim Martinez. He's an accomplished professional with 30 plus years of experience. He is involved in education and leadership and his experience and track record in improving those realms is something that everyone should take a closer look to. In the years of his work, he has built operational performance through his vision, team building, his experience, it also includes 24 years of administrative experience that was complemented by seven years of high school teaching. He's also worked at the state level 
five years counseling, has a strong background in special education, specifically for the Latinos in our community. He also developed the Universal Design for Learning, UDL, school counseling. He was involved with social and emotional learning, the response to intervention, college and career readiness. He served as a principal many years. He successfully piloted and implemented virtually uh, distinctive initiatives that improved instruction. And once again, a lot of the work that he did, he did by leading by example. He's not one of these leaders who sit behind the table, but sits behind the desk. He's there with you, rolls up his sleeves and join you. He was the first to establish a school-based preschool, a family's resource center. He redesigned the school's library and media center because of his passion for learning. And also in his management and policy perspectives, they're all broadened. He earned a six-year degree in educational leadership with a superintendent of schools endorsement. He's also a PhD candidate of education and has served successfully as an elective member of the Monroe Public Schools of Board of Education for two years. Jim, which everyone spells it James, and I have a question about why, but it's Jim Martinez, manages care coordination between local mental health providers in his school district. He also runs a comprehensive school counseling program, supervises district-wide support staff, and he was awarded, and this is a very big award, in last year, 2022, the National Latino Administrator of the Year Award by the Association of Latino Administrators and Superintendents. That's ALAS. For his bold and unwavering leadership by placing health and the well-being of students and staff above all else. He is a Connecticut resident. He is married. He is a person who enjoys working with special education, but he also goes in there and does the work as an advocate. He also is an amazing father, brother, and son of parents of immigrants who immigrated to the Bronx in the late 1950s. Now with this amount of body of work, I can only tell you that there's much more. This explanation that I gave is only half of the things that I know that he's been able to accomplish. So for me, having him with us today, not only is it a treat for our listeners, but for me as well, because he's been a person who's opened the door for many Latinos in special education, in academics, and just regular people that do regular things, he brings out the special. I love him very much, and I want to introduce him to you today as our first ever guest in the He's Just movement. I'm so excited about that. He knows how I feel about him. And the fact remains that many of the things that are being said here today, I want you to take them to heart because this man speaks from his heart. He's never been a person to mince his words. And just like the Bronx streets that he was raised, he's about that business. So I want to make sure that everyone today who is listening can take account to our first show and that they're looking at the work that Jim is going to lay out for us because he's as a visionary. He is thinking not only of the Latino, he is thinking of all students. 
Today's uh, show is really dedicated to the state of mental health and what that means for the Latino provider. Where are we? Where are we going with this? And how can we fix this? And if anyone can help us address some of those questions, I would have to say that is our guest today. No further ado, my main man, my brother, we all call him Jim. So Jim, welcome. My brother, congratulations on this inaugural podcast. Um, I, as I'm sitting here listening to you, um, you know, frame the, the, the work that you, that motivated you to do this, uh, you know, I, and hear you talk about the things that you believe that you've learned from me um, have humbled me. And I, you know, I, I need you to know, bro, that, you know, I feel the same way about you. So I, I you know, I think, I think we, um, you know, the universe, all the stars lined up when, when you and I collaborated and connected and, and in this work. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very proud of you and very proud of this and very happy to be, be here. Well, we are lucky to have you, Jim. You know, looking at your background, I'm like, man, this is serious business. I mean, years upon years of work, and here's a person who was honored in his homeland. Let's just start from there. What, what, what was that like for you? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, my, my parents born and raised there in yeah. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, the, the, the way I react when everybody asks me that question, I still react the same way. I become like emotional, my, I get goosebumps because my, my, my father and my mother were, as children, we're looking at the ages like 11, 12 years old, met in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Mm. And uh, my dad proposed to my mom in San Juan, Puerto Rico. They wow. were married in San Juan, Puerto Rico, mm. literally walking distance from the, the venue where this award ceremony took place and where I received this award. And, wow. you know, and, and, and the award was, was given to me or I was being recognized for the work that I, I do as an administrator, you know, and, and in terms of supporting mental health and supporting students and social emotional learning and, and all of that, right? But mm. all I can think of at this moment and at that moment was that all the things that I was being recognized for were the things that my mother and my father taught me. Wow. And I felt them as I was up in that podium, you know, giving my, my short uh, thank you remarks and speech, um, all I could do is think of them. And I felt, I felt them on either side of me with their arms around me as I accepted that award and I dedicated to them at that point. Jim, um, I know that that was one of the toughest things that you've dealt with because your dad and you were super close. And I know that you're speaking from the heart right now, letting everyone know, and thank you for sharing that and, and, and giving us that opportunity to get close to you and your family in that way. I mean, tell us a little bit about not only the award, but take us back a little bit. How did all this start? How did, how did you go from just a young man going to the Bronx to where we are today? Could you take us a little bit like through that time travel? A hundred percent. I can tell you the. I can. I can give you the precise event moment that I knew 
I didn't know, so I was five years old, okay? I didn't know at five years old that I would be where I'm at today, but what I did know at five years old is that there was nothing that was gonna stop me from being where I'm at today. Mm. And so let me just quick, just quickly lay it out. I mean, I, I was born in this, I'm a 70s kid, so I was born in 64, right? But grew up in the late 60s, early 70s, and the projects in the South Bronx were, were brand new. You know, they were brand new buildings. They, they were actually beautiful buildings. But so well, my dad, my parents moved from Puerto Rico to here in the late 50s. And fast forward to the time when, when I was born, almost uh, a year later, I mean, 10 years later, rather, um, they, they, you know, they wanted to make a, a better life for me and my siblings. I'm the youngest of three. Mm. And we moved into this neighborhood. Now, it, again, as, as, a, as a child, I don't know that, I don't know anything about low-income low housing. I don't know anything about families that are living um, at the poverty, poverty line or below, but that was us. Mm. Um, however, we were, all things being equal, we were happy. I mean, my, my mom and my dad did the best they could, and they loved us dearly. But again, living in a neighborhood and if, if you know any of the history of the South Bronx, and you ever hear that mantra that the Bronx is burning stays, mm. that, yes, that, yes. that's where I grew up. Okay. That's how I grew up. Yeah. There was a, um, uh, there was one particular night, I remember I was, I slept with my brother, we slept in the same room, twin beds, until we went to high school, until we graduated high school. But there was a night where it was the wee hours of the morning, and I was, uh, I was, uh, uh, you know, awakened by the screams mm. and the plea of a grown man begging for his life. Oh. And so, the at first, when I woke up to that, it was it it um it scared you know obviously scared me, startled me, but I remember I can remember it clearly, like if it happened like five minutes ago, him begging and pleading, please don't kill me, please don't kill me. Wow. I then hear a gunshot and, um, you know, the, 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 his life was taken. I remember in that moment feeling like I wanted, the first thing I want to do is run to my parents and jump in their bed. You were I fine. didn't, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I remember putting the cover over my head and just thinking about just repeatedly hearing that replay in my mind, mm. what he was saying and how he was screaming and in the manner that he was screaming. And I remember saying in that moment, because I prior to that had seen some things around in my environment that I knew were not making me feel comfortable, mm. but I knew in that moment that I saying to myself, you know, when I grow up, I wanna make sure that no kids grow up like this. Mm. You know, and I was five. So people always called me an old soul back then, but I was, I'm the youngest of three and I, my siblings always say I, I act like the oldest, but yeah, that's another. You know, J Jim, that is totally amazing. That was like your he just moment. That's kind of the, what we shared about. Mm -hmm. There's something that happens that sparks that. And you know, now that you start this work, tell us a little bit about how'd you go about putting this into practice? Now you know you wanted this. So what were your next moves? 
So I guess I have to preface that by saying that the work that I'm that I'm doing now and the work that we do, yeah. And I'm sure you relate to this. It, for me, it's a vocation. So I never, I again, even at that early age, I said I knew where I, I, I had a sense as to where I wanted to go, but I never knew how I was going to get there. Yeah. I just knew that it was going to happen. And again, the. the it's hard to answer the question as to like, it wasn't a plan. It was uh, my parents modeling for me, especially my mom. She was a very strong woman of faith. Mm. My dad was too, but he, you know, there were pressures, there were struggles. He worked two jobs. He mm-hmm. was learning the language. There was discrimination. Mm. There was, uh, you know, anger. There was, that there was a period of my childhood where there was, you know, I was a witness to domestic violence in my home. Um, mm-hmm. It was, it was hard. It was a hard, a hard time. Um, but my, my mom always modeled what it meant to be a servant and what it meant to, to give others. And she, she raises that way. My brother and my sister and myself, all three of us chose professions and we are the kind of people that we are there for others. Yeah. So that's, that's how it started. Good. Yeah, that, that, that is so big. And again, thank you so much for, for, for opening the door to our audience about your family, because this is what we preface here, the authenticity of how you bring this, the, the, the facts that you're willing to put your views, but using yourself to model. So we respect that and love you for that. You know, now now that you begin to do the work and there's so much to talk about and probably we will need other shows to be able to tap into some of it. You know, now that you're drawn into this work and you understand that there's a call of action. Recently, there was, aside from the award, you're propelled into a school, you're propelled into other things. Mm-hmm. This is prior to you getting the biggest award that I believe a Latino can receive because something that you get in your native country by where your parents were to me is the biggest of all. But in that vein, Mm -hmm. now you're drawn to this work and now you understand that there's something going on. Can you tell us a little bit about that work you do for policy change? Because again, once we choose the profession, I chose to be a social worker. Someone else chooses to be a psychologist, a a counselor. What do you do with that now that you have that? Is that the do all be all? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course. I, you know, you you know, the history of education has a lot of pendulum swinging periods, you know, where we focus on things and we say we're going to do something about things that need improvement. And we focus on the optics and we focus on what sounds, what sounds great, you know, to, 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 to society and the people, but we really never turn that corner. Mm-hmm. So this, um, ALAS is the uh, Association of Latino Administrators and Superintendents, which is the national uh, chapter of the, of, of the state affiliates, the state affiliates, Galas, which is a Connecticut mm-hmm. association mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. So they, 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 while it's not only for Latinos and Latinas, it is, it's for, for all uh, educators and administrators who want to, who want to participate and make change. Mm-hmm. And it's for all students. And while it's for all students, it has an emphasis on the, the Latin, the Hispanic population. So I think it, it you know, it, it is, um, the work that I'm doing now is as a policy and advocacy committee member mm-hmm. is focused to surrounding on 
on uh, a lot of the things that a lot of initiatives that have been push forward to try to expand recruitment among Latino administrators, mm -hmm. uh, to, to build in relatable curriculum in schools yes. for, for Latino students uh, and put a lot of safety nets in place. A lot of that has been talked about. A lot of finishes have, been, have happened, but you know, very few have made it to policy. You know, big up to Kalas, the Connecticut chapter, and especially Dr. Abby Benitez, who I love and adore. It's a big part of my career as well. So wherever you're at, Abby, love you. This goes out to you. Talk to us about spring 2022. There's a recent survey that's released out, and there's a report conducted, Hanover Research, that you alluded to with Alice. There's a need to address students' social, emotional, mental health, a wellness and need in particular to relation, some to the pandemic and some mm -hmm. not to that. Um, there's a need to like support the greater good of the students. But there's a variety of mental health issues that are happening, and this is an in-depth report. And I'll leave a link at the end for it so readers mm -hmm. can look on. But the goal of this was to find the perceptions of the student mental health need and wellness. And you looked at the parent, the student, the teacher, and the administrator. So mm -hmm. it's not a easy way of looking at things, but when you conduct these sort of responses, you need a big number of people to attest so that you can get a richer report. And so they did. It was 2,634 responses of the aforementioned uh, groups that I talked about took part in reporting to these findings. Now that the report is out, and I know you got some other stuff happening, can you mm -hmm. tell us something about this report that caught your eye, work that probably needs to happen, and also tell us What's the next step once this research is complete? What do you do now? So, uh, yeah, the research did show what I believe we already know. I think what, it, what in, in, in taking the deep dive in it and analyzing really what it's saying to us is, see, because a lot of people think that COVID and the pandemic and when we were in isolation, that that's what has created a lot of the mental health issues among young people across the nation. And while, it certainly impacted it and increased it. Mm -hmm. It just exposed what's been going on mm. for years. It's not. It's not. It's not just about that. It wasn't just during, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I so what I gleaned from the from the uh, the research and the data is that it has brought it has brought the education community across the nation external. Uh, community members mm. with a higher awareness of what the problem has been. Yeah. So when we look at this report, some of the findings include 60% of the respondents indicated experiencing moderate to extreme levels of stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not only in the school level, it's the parents, this mm -hmm. is administrators. Talk to us about that piece there. That number is pretty large. It's a pretty big number to look at. And like you mentioned, probably not so much with the pandemic, but a lot of it has to do with day-to-day. -day. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
and any findings that you found were surprising to you? I mean, I, you know what surprised me? I think, I mean, a lot of things, um, well, not that a lot of things surprised me, but something that jumped out at me was the, the number of the percentage of students that felt that they had an adult to go to or someone to go to, mm. that they had someone in their lives that it's a safe person and a safe place for them to um, express or or unload their struggles and challenges. And mm. nationally, I, I know we have that data locally because we've done a youth risk survey here in, in Connecticut, in Norwalk, Connecticut, particularly our, our district. Mm -hmm. Oops. But, um, you know, nationally, it is a it, it is it is a problem as well, and that's very telling because what that continues to to say is that we have to do a better job, Latino or not, we got to do a better job in in making it known to all youth that we're there for them. Mm. And it's, it's people don't want to talk about this particular piece. There's still a thing called systemic racism. Yeah. It exists. It's real. It's there. Yeah. It's not only in corporate, it's not only, you know, it, it's, it's everywhere. And uh, we, 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 have to, we have to change that. that. That's really the bottom line. There's no negotiating that. We have to change it. And the only ones that can change it are, in, in my opinion right now, are, are, are people like you and me, yeah. you know, who, who get it. You know, we, we, we are where we're from and we've accomplished what we've accomplished. We've been blessed to be given this opportunity to serve. Mm. Um, but we, you know, the gift that we receive, we have to give that away. We have to give it and put in the, you know, push it forward. You know, Jim, you mentioned it and that consequently was my highlight. It says, to what extent has your child and their stress or anxiety increased or decreased around school related items because of the pandemic? Now we're using the pandemic as a benchmark, but let's take a look at this. Hispanics, 62% non-Hispanic, 53%. Mm -hmm. So when we think of the issues within the homes, many of our Latino communities who, who come here to work hard, parents have migrated, they continue to work and their students are shipped off to learn the second language. There, there is many layers to this that can be a test because we understand it because that's our culture. This is our background. But some of that that we are continuously hearing is that there is anxiety related to how our students are feeling. And I know when I was growing up, those weren't the, and listen, we grew up in times when there were gangs and all these things that we see here today were also prevalent back then. And, you know, we had certain colds and probably now it's a little different, but those things did not change. You grow up in a tough neighborhood, you grow up with some, you know, mm -hmm. priorities and colds and these things happen. So when you, when you look at that, is there something that you have now seen where we are handling these anxieties that these students have? Are you happy where this is? Like that's a high number. Is there anything that you can do to probably help change that framework? It's, it's it, you know, I, I know that the expression it takes a village is sometimes shared and said ad nauseum. And, you know, I don't care how you want to say it, it takes a village, team effort, teamwork, however you want to say it, but it can't be done 
with it can't be done in education alone. We need we need the, the larger community to acknowledge this need. And we need the, the larger community in, for example, school districts have to partner and collaborate with community leaders and providers to, yeah. to, uh, to take care of kids. Yeah. And it cannot happen. It cannot happen in spite of them. It has to happen with them. And, and that's really the, that's really the, the work that has to continue to be, to, to go forward. And a, a lot of, uh, a lot of school districts do not have that in place. So thank you for that, Jim. But in, 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 in the state of mental health, and now we're looking at this from our school, mm -hmm. the Latino provider, you saw the college and career readiness numbers mm -hmm. on this survey alarming as well on the Latino side. We didn't feel prepared. We feel that there is areas that we still need. And many of us go through this, you know, swim or, or sink kind of mentality in the places that we are. Mm -hmm. whether it is hard labor, multiple jobs, and so on. There is something to be said about the Latino male and how we, we have been raised. And for us that we've raised in New York, there's, mm -hmm. once again, there's different ways that people can explain that. But mm -hmm. where do you think mental health is now? Because I remember it wasn't swept under the rug when we were growing up, but it was hardly talked about. Where is this now? How do you feel that mental health is being addressed right now? Mental health right now is being addressed uh, in, in almost a knee-jerk reaction to the pandemic. I mm -hmm. think that a lot of the things that are, I'll give an example, like when, when school districts were given uh, grant money or CARES Act funding for, mm -hmm. to support uh, SEL, for example, um, yeah. there are still, school districts that have tons of that money left over because they don't know how to use it. They don't know how to, how to, yeah. how to spend it. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have, you have others who, uh, you know, have thrown everything at the wall to see what sticks. Um, that, so the mental health at this point is we, we, we are in dire need of shifting the focus away from just academics, because I think that some people think that if we, if we bump up the support in, in, uh, in academics, whether you, you, you hire a whole bunch of coaches, mm -hmm. you know, reading and math coaches, that's gonna solve your academic issue, mm -hmm. and that the, the, the social emotion will follow. Kids feel better about their grades, they'll feel better about themselves. Hmm. It's the opposite. Oh. You cannot educate a student who has who, who is a, a, a you know a, a victim or a a profile of trauma of having gone through trauma or anxiety mm -hmm. or uncertainty or insecurity or discrimination or all the things that you and I both know that a lot of the kids that we work with that are labeled minority students yeah. or you know students of color uh, are exposed to it. I'm not, I'm not saying that's just that population, but it's the preponderance of the data yeah. says that it is that population. And you bring up valid points in your response, Jim, and, and we can, you know, look at the state of mental health and say, something has been done and there's more work to be done. Sounds like there's something we have to do a better job with it. Um, there's always areas to grow, you know, now that we're thinking about where this is, where do you think that this is headed? Because now the, the pandemic is over mm -hmm. and now people are feeling still anxious. There's now more trauma. However, it, 
Are there things that you can say, we are headed in this direction right now based on what you mentioned? Is it going to be status quo? Do you feel that there's going to be changes, a policy that you're fighting for? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what do you think we can expect as the end user? So the one thing that I am not, and I've, I've had to be by default sometimes in the role that I've played in, in, along the way, along the years as an administrator, but the one thing I'm not is a politician. However, I'm a realist. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to, you know, I don't have to spell out like what's, what's been going on in the country for the past few years and how politics has played a role and has inserted themselves in how we educate students mm -hmm. where, you know, we send teachers to, to, to their teacher education programs, teacher candidates, mm -hmm. they learn mm -hmm. curriculum, they learn everything they need to know about becoming a teacher. Mm -hmm. And then you have politicians telling them how they should or should not educate students. So I, what I'm getting at is the, the, the macro level of this and is that this country is in a state of um, division when it comes to what is best for kids. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 we can take two views or two positions. You can either become someone that will become compliant and accepting of that Mm -hmm. you know, of that movement, if you will, because it is, even though it's a negative movement, it is a movement. It's been going on for a few years and I can cite states, this is all public knowledge. I mean, states that are requiring their teachers to not say, mm -hmm. use certain terms and words and teach certain curriculum, whether it be Latin or African-American history or any of that. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have to get to the point where, okay, we can't maybe change that on that level, but we can certainly work from behind and work on the ground level, which is what I always, so to get to the bottom line, you have to work from the bottom line. That's mm -hmm. always been my, mm -hmm. my approach. And I think that we have to, we have to really make sure that the, that two, twofold, one that we continue to do that work on the ground level, you know, you know, where, where we're working from, but also empowering others to do the same so they can move forward and spread that mm -hmm. effort and work elsewhere we don't have enough of that you and me we're we're we're, we're literally a minority when it comes to um latino educators and mm -hmm. and leadership i mean we, we're, we're a minority that's the that that's a big point which leads me to my next question jim where, where where do you see and this is no data these are just our views that we're looking at where do you see our presence? And I'm talking males now, just males mm -hmm. in the realm of mental health and education. Do you like those numbers? Do, would you like to see more? What, what are you seeing of providers? How do you feel about the males on that side? Well, I can tell you how I feel and I can tell you what I know both is that what I feel is we need, I clearly need a lot more presence mm -hmm. and what i do know is that in colleges and universities uh, across the country that uh, with programs in mental health like for social work programs school counseling programs school psychologists the the majority of those um, professions and students are female mm. Very few of me. In fact, when I was going through my training, when I was going through my school counseling degree, I was the only one in many of my courses that was a male. Mm. 
um, and much and even furthermore the only Latino in in the program. Yeah, and so just touching base. So not enough males in the professions. Do we also have a situation where you can also say the Hispanic is probably obsolete? If you're saying that we don't have enough, mm -hmm. what about the Latino males? Do you see any coming up? What are you thinking is happening now that mental health is so um, prevalent? Uh, to be perfectly you know, honest with you, I don't, I don't, I don't see a change in an increase in that regard, and and mm. more than ever we need it because let's face it during the pandemic i mean and i know you 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 did you went on home visits and mm -hmm. you made phone calls and mm -hmm. trying to get students back to school when we came back yeah. you know from isolation um you you had a lot of families with low and and with no resources yeah to find the wherewithal to get back into uh to get the support they needed to get the, their kids back to school and even their own mental health um and you know, I, 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 we literally are, are a minority going out to bring these families back. And we, so for example, in, in school districts mm -hmm. across the country that are, that are over 50% students of color, mm -hmm. you still have a dramatically low number of, of um, staff to, and mental health staff to, to represent them that look like them. I think that's a big piece of this, Jim. Um, so, 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 what do we do now? Like, is there like ideas? I know you're going over to Washington. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that work a bit. What do you foresee coming up? So, this is this is the ongoing work of of um, this policy and advocacy work that we're doing to to hopefully create change and become a change agents for students everywhere. Mm -hmm. And since since this becomes so it becomes um, an effort to, like I was alluding to before, the politics, well, well, we're not politicians, but we're advocates for children, right? And we know what's happening in politics. So the work of April 6th, for example, I'm gonna head down to, to DC mm -hmm. and many members of state affiliates of ALAS mm -hmm. are gonna be heading down there to be, and be given the opportunity to share the policies that we have developed that are gonna, gonna uh, benefit uh, Latino students and Hispanic students, and, and frankly, all students, but again, like I said, with an emphasis on the Latino population. And that'll be an opportunity for us to be able to have a platform for us to influence on that level. Mm -hmm. And there are many people in the country that are, did, did that number, that particular number is growing. Mm -hmm. of you know latino educators and even even vendors believe it or not and educational vendors are, are jumping on the bandwagon and mm -hmm. supporting us so it sounds like coming together is where the movement is so what can we do i i plan to put on the uh he's just website link if there is opportunities for others to get involved mm -hmm. is there signatures is there anything that we can do for people out there who want to try to be change agents probably can't make it with you but can do something is there anything that we can do so there, there are tons of things that we can do collectively mm. one once so let me just give you again kudos for what you're doing here because 
you know, I, if you look, if you look in social media, you don't see a lot of this, these types of, um, you know, opportunities for, for us to get involved. And I think that the, the fact that you're giving me the voice to be able to help others mm. uh, share their voice is going to be critical. So if you don't have to go to DC, Washington DC, and talk to senators and, and in order to make the change, but you can certainly be a part of, you can be a voice in that work by creating your own, in your own community, mm -hmm. your own uh, policy and advocacy uh, group, mm -hmm. and bring these, bring these thoughts and ideas and passion to to a national group like Alas. Mm. Alas is the only one that's really a, a one of its kind. I mean, there's other, there are many associations, but this one in particular is is very widespread. We're east, east coast, west coast, yeah. north south. I mean, we're all across the country, and so there are lots of ways that this is going to be. This what you're doing here, Jules, is is going to be, I think, a game changer in in hoping and in helping mm. people like you and me model the same thing and, mm. and, and be able to spread the word across, across the world. Thank you so much for those words, Jim. I mean, I'm just trying to put something together that I think is needed, but thank you in letting everyone understand that we need to work together. There's just so many things to cover, but one thing I can tell you is that there's a ton of social workers out there. There's a ton of related service providers. There's a ton of counselors and psychologists. And if we were to all come together as a unit, mm -hmm. I am sure that we can have these opportunities. So follow me on, he's just a social worker on Instagram. And there you have information to my website and we can continue to work together on different programs. And I want to hear, you know, what anyone else is thinking out there about future programs and the guests. This is going to be very, very big, not only for this movement, but for everyone who wants to hear those that are lacking a voice. So, Jim, you know, I haven't put you on the spot. We've been talking all this serious stuff. You can. <laughs> You know, what is something that you probably wish you didn't do during your journey? So, oh my God, I wish I would not have done that. And, 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 but yeah, I did it. So now uh, I feel better. Is there anything like that? Was, was there a moment that you felt, oh my God, I wish I had not done that, but it kind of helped shape me. Well, you know, I knew, I knew you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> um, and so in thinking about that, I mean, I, there, I'm going to be straight up with you. I mean, there, there are things that I wish I hadn't done mm. and decisions I hadn't made along the way in my journey to yeah. get to where I'm at today. Yeah. And there was a time where if you'd, you'd have asked me that question, I would have been able to answer and tell you what those things are. And I can tell you them today. Yeah. But the, the difference is that today mm -hmm. I am grateful for all of those decisions that I made that I shouldn't have made yeah. because it led to where I'm at today. And I know that may sound a little, you know, a little uh, maybe uh, warm and fuzzy, corny or, you know, whatever, but you know, it, it comes down to, mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm no longer questioning the trajectory of my life. Um, you know, I look at how I was, you know, I was born and raised and where I was born and raised 
and what I'm a, and what I'm able to have today. And I'm not talking about material. Mm-hmm. That that that's you know we leave that behind. I'm talking about the relationships, the mm-hmm. the networking, the the rewards that we get when we we know that we are able to because of the, because of a something we did for a child or for a student. Uh, change their life and their gen- for generations to come, for their generations to come. Mm. That's our paycheck. So, I, so yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't have anything that I could have done differently. That I, you know, I think it would have all. It, it, it made me who I am. It forced me, pushed me, pressured me mm-hmm. to become my best version. I'm still doing that every day. Mm-hmm. I still, it says you should never get comfortable and complacent in that. I'm certainly not, but um, but I'm grateful. Well, we are grateful for that answer because it's true. You, you, you got to make mistakes to get, to get better. So thank you for that. We weren't really putting you on a spot, but this question really is, KRS-One Grandmaster Flash, you're from the Bronx, who would you pick? Hmm. Well, my go-to is Grandmaster Flash. Okay. You? I'm not going to answer. We asked you the question. <laughs> I would say both. I don't want to get into trouble. I'll say both. But friends, I, I, got, I, I, I guess I, it's incredible. But, but Jim just went in the bag. He just said, okay. He, he actually thought about it because KRS1 and the work he did in the Bronx. But Grandmaster Flash kind of broke it down for everybody. So he led the way, sort of like you, like, like, like you lead the way. So before we go, Jim, I, I want to just say that as a disclaimer, everything that was shared here today, our views and our own thoughts mm-hmm. and opinions do not represent our employers or our clients. This is just two men coming together to, to, to like hash out a big question. And we hope that we did a good job of just addressing some of those things. But before we close out, we'd like to have you say a few parting words because you know this will not be your last show. You will definitely be on other things to come. But for now, what can you tell our listeners after hearing our first show? What I, what I can tell you all is, and, and this is me, when, when, when Jules said early on in the podcast that, that I speak from the heart, I don't, know how, I don't know another way. If I can't speak from the heart, then I, then I don't say anything. And, what I, and I guess what I'm saying now is that um, there are so many, so many points throughout my career, my life, where I was looking for um, something and I'm not sure I can't put I couldn't really put my finger on it I couldn't describe it I couldn't explain it I was just on autopilot I knew I was on a mission I'm motivated always to make a difference for others and for kids especially but Jules um, credits me somewhat and a few other people in his immediate circle that motivated him or led him to this work that he's doing now with he's just and um i will have to say here right now true story i think this is the thing um that i that i I feel like i've been looking for that i can't describe is is this is is what he's doing right now because i know he's doing it from the heart Mm. he doesn't he's not looking to receive anything 
from this. He's looking to give as much as he can. And he's doing it, and he's, he's really putting the skills that he has, and he probably has a lot more skills, um, well, not probably, he does have skills that he doesn't recognize in himself. Um, you know, he is gonna be, he's a rising star. He may not see that, but he is. And I think the work that, the fact that he's doing this work is gonna make changes, great changes for so many people. And hear him out, you know, continue to follow him. I continue to learn from him. Although he says he learns from me, but I think we learn from each other. And, mm. you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're Latinos. We're Latinos who, go, no? who get it. And I'm not saying that in the spirit of like we're superior, but we get it because thank God that we do because because of us, there may be that one student that will come up, that will approach Jules or me and say, you know, I, when I grow up, you know, I want to do what you're doing. When I grow up, I want to be like you. I want to dress like you. I want to, all those kinds of things. And it gives them that, that hope that they can become change agents one day when both he and I are long gone. Jim, thank you so much the, the, for the warm words and for the encouragement always. Um, without saying, you know, the He's Just a Social Worker movement was created because often we were labeled, we were overlooked, but no longer. This plight is for anyone and everyone who feels a need to be understood. Look me up. He's just dot squarespace.com find me on insta on linkedin he's just a social worker i want to you know close out by saying jim i love you brother thank you so much for for doing this and know that in la próxima lo vamos a también en español so figure that out claro que there's sí. a lot of gym to go around so thank you so much friends for tuning in to the he's just movement this is our first podcast we're super proud of this work and we will continue to work hard to get better and to improve. We want to just wish everyone a lovely afternoon and look out for our next movement as it will happen. This podcast will pop up on Spotify. We will use this feed. Look out for the He's Just Movement all over. God bless everyone and we talk to you soon. We out. <laughs>